Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Harley, big matchup this Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Huge, man. It's a, it's a big matchup. They're on a three game losing streak. Texans are skidded a game against the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Feels like a feels like a must win in terms of the playoff outview. Yeah, no, if you even want to think or sniff about playoffs, you have to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like you mentioned, on a three-game losing streak. A tough matchup Thursday night football against the Buffalo Bills. The game came down to a Hail Mary. You know, they're looking to break their losing streak, man. But I feel like this will be a great bounce-back game for this Houston Texans team. But before we get into all that, man, welcome, everyone. To another episode of Believe in the Houston Texans, I am one part of your squad, Ruben Calvillo, and I am joined by the handsome man himself, Harley Dugan. And this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports league kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, college football, and NHL in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to the Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Harley, the NFL trade deadline came and went. And just as you predicted, the Houston Texans did not make a move. Even though we, even though you wanted them to, right? When you see Chase Young get dealt for a third-round pick, it hits you a little bit in the stomach. But I feel like the Houston Texans approach is going to be let these young guys work. Let them develop and see where they end up at the end of the season. Then you could fully address this team. I wonder if a win against the Panthers or a win against the Falcons would have changed Nick Casario's mind. Um, yeah, you know, that's a good question. And it's something maybe we could ask uh, Aaron Wilson whenever he comes into the live stream in a little bit. Um, but, I mean... I'd still, I just still think the Houston Texans were going to stay pat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just didn't think that, you know, I mean, giving up a second round pick for Montez Sweat, I'm not doing that. No. Second and a fifth for Leonard Williams, I'm not doing that. The third round pick for Chase Young, I think people finally realized that his value might have been a little bit lower. And third round pick is still <laughs> I pick to give up, and there, and and I'm here saying that his value could be a little bit lower. So. Uh, going to the 49ers is absolutely insane as a football fan. Like that defensive line just feels like they're going to continuously eat every single game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I think the Houston Texans, I thought they were going to stay pat for quite some time. And I didn't think they were going to make a move. If they won the Panthers or Falcons game, I even was like, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see who the Texans besides who I thought was like a, extremely outside chance in Saquon Barkley uh, mm-hmm. to improve the run game drastically, make a kind of a win now move. Um, 
But I think the Houston Texans, year one rebuilding, year one D'Amico, year one C.J. Stroud, you know, you, you're barely you're barely laying out your plans and you got the architectural design and you're looking at how this house will be finished. And thank God you got the quarterback head coach tandem to to complete the future for you. Yeah, no, 100 percent. I'm not surprised they didn't trade for anyone. We talked about watching this young team develop this season. It's the first year to the be uh, of of the rebuild. Harley, once again, you hit it on the nail on the head, man. You did not expect the Houston Texans to make a move. One thing I do like, though, is that we heard that they were active, right? I have no problem with you looking out there and trying to not only trade for this season, but trade for the future. You know, I think in the offseason, the Houston Texans are going to be dangerous. We are going to have some money. It's going to be whoever the hell we can sign. But overall, I don't think the Houston Texans got worse or anything like that. I uh, still think we could surprise some people. It would have been nice to get like a Brian Burns or Chase Young like that. But overall, I am feeling very confident in this young Houston Texans team. Yeah, I mean, we should feel confident. Again, like I just mentioned, you got your quarterback head coach duo of the future. And that's the biggest thing to, you know, a lot of teams never can get. It's always tough to have the quarterback and head coach Boom, slam dunk, home run, touchdown, rock and roll, Texans. Mm-hmm. You know, like you got that, boom, year one of this rebuild. And it feels great, man. It feels great. So the future, all the young guys coinciding with it. Uh, the so You got some building blocks where it's a Will Anderson or Jalen Petrie. You're mixing it in with some veterans as well. Houston Texans definitely have a bright future for themselves in, you know, the division. Calvin brings up the offensive line, block better, and make all this talk about the running game go away. The offensive line will be having a new center. With the recent injuries to rookie Jared Patterson, Michael Dieter, next man up, is your starting center from here on out until Juice Scruggs come back, which we're going to ask Aaron Wilson about. We haven't heard anything on him. There will also be... No Damian Pierce. He is out with the lower leg injury. Backups, Devin Singletary, Mike Boone, step up to the occasion. This offensive line is going to have a tough task. The Buccaneers defense, I mean, these guys blitz almost 40% of the time. They come at you from everywhere. Harley, how do you feel about the battle between the Texans O-line versus the Buccaneers front seven? Yeah, man, it's uh, definitely going to be a challenge for them. Um, obviously, losing Mike, uh, Mike, um, Michael Dieter, uh, Jarrett Patterson for basically a season-ending injury, that, that's tough, man. That is going to be rough. You know, and Michael Dieter, granted, he was with the Miami Dolphins and knows the scheme, but, uh, you know, he he's okay. <laughs> you know, he's, he's all right. He's going to have his hands full facing an athletic defensive tackle in Vita Vea, who is just 6'4", 360, and just the athleticism is through the roof at that size and weight, should not be um, composed into one human being. He will give Michael Dieter everything he's got. So Mm -hmm. that's a huge challenge for him. And the weakness of this Texans offensive line has been the interior and just it doesn't bode well going into this matchup against the Buccaneers, um, especially like you said, a team that's generating forty percent pressure 
against of other teams. This is a typical Todd Bowles defense. He did that with the New York Jets. He's continuing on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, it's it's going to be a tough day for the Houston Texans. It could get maybe into an ugly win kind of territory. I still do think they have a bounce back day, though, against the Buccaneers, especially being at home. And we bring in Aaron Wilson covering the NFL and Texans for KPRC, local to Houston. Aaron, you do a fantastic job. I've been following you for years. Thank you so much for joining the Believe in Texans. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. And I was just listening a little bit, your breakdowns of the matchups with the Texans offense against the Buccaneers, very blitz-centric defense that Todd Bowles engineers. So, yeah, interesting stuff, interesting matchup, and, yeah, happy to answer any questions you have. Yeah, and, uh, Aaron, so we know the NFL trade deadline came to a close. Um, wanted to ask you, did you think we were going to be buyers or sellers? Um, and also, were the Houston Texans active? Was Nick Casario trying to make a trade? No, they weren't active, and, no, I wasn't surprised. Nick was very honest in his comments at the bye week about their intentions. And, you know, one of the biggest things is financial and also just the state of the team. So starting with the financial, they're not in a salary cap situation to take on a very big contract or do a very big contract extension at this time. They will in this offseason have that capability if they think there's someone worth pursuing. And right now with the way the roster is set up, they have a lot of players that they want to give the playing time to instead of injecting someone else. I know there was some speculation about defensive ends. That really wasn't the position that they needed. I think they, you know, they're coming off of a six sack, 10 quarterback hit game by their defensive line primarily. And, you know, that's not their issue. Wide receiver. It's very easy to speculate about wide receivers. They're also tend to be very expensive. They're getting production out of the wide receiver position, and they're not all of a sudden just because you have some dynamic receiver ad, you're giving up so many assets, and then you're having to sign into a big contract. So I know a lot of fans think of this like it's fantasy football, and they don't care about the repercussions and the long-term planning, but I can tell you, and you know this, the NFL teams have to be very smart about how they conduct business. And Nick Osario, you know, he wasn't born yesterday. He's been doing this for a while and he's already made plenty of trades. He, people forget those trades, but Josh Jones, Kendrick Green, Shaq Mason, investments in his offensive line, and then a trade, you know, unloading a player for draft capital in Brandon Cooks. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do it at the terms that were originally discussed with the Cowboys a year ago when a second round pick was in the offing at one point, but you know, he's active. He at one point tried to acquire the bears top overall pick. He was in talks with them for Bryce Young, as I reported at the time. So I look at it all, Harlan. I just don't think that it was ever in the cards for them to be active at the NFL trade deadline. I know some others have said something different. I, I don't buy into that. That's not what I'm hearing. You know, um, you talked about the fantasy football things. I wanted to float this idea around you because I had a lot of pushback across the YouTube comments and uh, a little pushback. Obviously, people are going to love the name Saquon Barkley. Um, and, and I know you just talked about 
the cap issues and the situations, but not just Saquon. I'm just talking about a running back in general. You've had, you know, you gifted D'Amico Ryans in the draft, Will Anderson Jr. My overall thought process was you're struggling so much with the running back position in terms of getting any sort of production from it. You know, why not make that splash move like the 49ers did with a CMC and try to go after a running back? What are your thoughts about that? Well, it's really similar to my thoughts on almost any position is that you have already invested almost $4 million this year in Devin Singletary to be a backup running back for you. And he'll start on Sunday because Damian Pierce has an ankle injury. So how much more are you going to spend on the running back position? And most people don't normally do that. So, no, they never had any interest in <clears throat> trading for a running back. So, yeah, I guess they see it differently than you, but that's okay. You know, that's that's one of the nice things about this, you know, space and this league and forums like this is that everybody can have different opinions and respect each other's opinions. And ultimately the only opinion that matters is the team's opinion, whatever they choose to do. I don't think they're influenced by what we say or, and I tend not to be very opinionated. Uh, I might have some opinions, but I don't really share my opinion very often. Uh, I tend to keep that for myself. I like to focus on my reporting and letting pe other people make up their mind based on the facts that I present. Yeah, no, 100%. And you do a fantastic job of doing that. I, I want to ask you about um, Derek Stingley and Juice Scruggs. Haven't yes. really heard anything about them. Fans have been wondering, when is Derek Stingley uh, going to come back? But also, when is Juice Scruggs going to return? We haven't seen him all year. Right. Derek Stingley Jr., he suffered a very serious hamstring injury where part of the hamstring went off of the hip tendon. So it's a very high hamstring. Those take longer to heal. So when you have an injury like that, Harley, it, you know, I know someone else um, in the market, well, no longer in the market, said four weeks and fans were like, oh, Aaron said eight weeks. It's going to wind up being even more than that. And the reason why is that you want to make sure he's 1,000% healthy. They will be very conservative in this timeline. They will not rush him back. They can't afford to have him get hurt again. He can't afford to have another injury set back. So for as far as when, I think sometime, you know, Thanksgiving might be a time when maybe by then he started practicing. I wouldn't even guarantee that he would be playing by then. I would think more about December or maybe that's when he's back and playing the way he was at the start of the season before the injury. And he was off to a good start and he had a good off season. It's just an unfortunate injury. And it's another hamstring injury, like, but it's not the same type of hamstring he had last year. It was more serious. And you asked about Juice Scruggs. Juice also injured his hamstring very badly in the Saints game. And the reason they're taking their time with him is because he's not ready. So it's another week or two before he can start practicing, my understanding. And then they can decide when do they activate him. And you probably have seen this pattern. When they bring back a player, the player, especially if they missed a lot of time, they have a ramp-up week. I know Hassan Ridgeway, it was different, where they brought him right back from activated, designated for return, activated officially the Saturday before the game, then he played in the game. But they don't always do it that way. And generally, especially if it's a younger player, and depending on the type of injury, they have 
it's like a two week process. So, you know, whenever they designate someone for return, it could be a two week deal or they run a lot on their own. And then the following week they're able to play. And then of course they had two injured reserve placements this week, Tegan Cotoriano, who really will be back in four weeks and Jarrett Patterson, who will be back. And I say back, make a recovery to activity in six to eight weeks, mm. but actually playing football again, I would say I'll be, I'll be mildly surprised if he plays any more football this year. Ooh. And uh, yeah, that, and that was actually what brought us to this conversation. If you're, if you're ready, uh, yeah, let's discuss Jared Patterson. I mean, I have nothing against it whatsoever. I had Dr. Chow and I had, reason i had added you on instagram and i believe it was twitter um was because it was your report um right. and your report said that he had a fractured ankle um and then after that someone a fan account for the texans instagrams had just reposted what you had said on kprc local 2 jared uh, patterson goes oh well i broke my ankle question marks um and then Demico ryan's was asked about the injury he says there's a lower leg injury. So I'm going, oh, okay, well, there's no clarity around this. You know, there's nothing clarity. So I was like, okay, Believe Network said, hey, do you want to get Dr. Chow on your on your podcast? I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take any opportunity to get Dr. Chow on here. And, uh, you know, he's very credentialed. Uh, he was the first person called when Aaron Rodgers, you know, tore his uh, Achilles. So he was immediately called on to the Pat McAfee show. So uh, he came on and I showed him the video and I told him, hey, you know, Aaron Wilson's reporting this. The players trying to debunk this. And Dr. Chow saw the video and he said, well, it looks to him to be a high right ankle sprain. Looks like a standard roll up from behind. You know, if anything, if it's more of a severe ankle sprain, it could turn into something a little bit worse. But he said he can't confirm any of the severity behind it. Um, in anything extra, he said he couldn't do anyway. He could just judge what he's seen on the video. Um, so that's all I really had on it. Uh, I wasn't at all trying to discredit you or anything if that's what you got. Um, and then, you know, I, I see your your video on the on the uh, fan blogger Texans Fan Paddle podcast, you know, and I'm like, oh, OK, interesting of. Uh, you know, I understand that you are a credential reporter and I wasn't discrediting you. Um, it just felt like, huh, okay. Uh, I know what I'm doing. Like, okay. I mean, we don't have to, everybody respects you. I wasn't disrespecting you at all. It felt like you're trying to, you know, a fan blogger, when you say fan blogger, it has like an implied bad connotation onto it, you know, and sure. That's exactly the definition of what we are doing on YouTube or fan bloggers. Um, it just it has it had a very negative connotation to it when you said it on the Texans fan battle podcast. Right. Well, fair enough. And uh, yeah, I want to address this because, yeah, I did feel like when you tag me and you're showing a contrary thing that you are questioning whether I have my facts right. And I do. He broke his fibula they did two mm -hmm. opinions so the way it works when a player has an injury they do mri imaging that's what i reported sunday night in carolina from bank of america stadium and 
we knew it was going to be a bad injury, likely a break. And the initial x-ray showed that he had a break down by his ankle. And the second opinion also showed he had a break. The fibula is a non-weight supporting bone that's adjacent to the ankle. It's right above the ankle. So it's at, it's at the bottom and the spot that he broke it is near his ankle. It's called your fibula. It's very directly connected to the ankle socket. And so when I was told it's an ankle, it's, it's the ankle area. So he's broken his fibula. He does not need surgery, which is the good news. So that's the injury. And that's how the sausage is made. I've made several checks on this. I have direct sourcing and they have access to the MRIs. Dr. Chow is a friend of mine. I have no problem with Dr. Chow, but he's in this case, and it's very rare. He's incorrect. It's not a high ankle sprain. And I saw Jared today, and Jared is in a cast all the way up his leg. He's a, in a cast, you know, hard cast. So, yes, he did break it. Uh, and, yeah, I, I guess where I would take issue with it, Harley, is it maybe he didn't mean it this way. So, yeah, if I took it the wrong way, then I'm sorry about that. But um, it did come off like you were questioning whether I was accurate. And for a reporter, you know, we never want to be wrong. And... If I'm wrong, I'll admit it and I'll say, yeah, I was wrong and this is why. And then I'll correct the error and go on. So, yeah, no one's perfect. But, yeah, I absolutely did this the right way. And for Jarrett, I can't speak for Jarrett. I talked to him today, uh, gave him a fist bump and wished him a speedy recovery. He didn't bring anything up. And I'm sure he's aware, like, who reported or whatever like that. But, yeah, I have my information and he broke it. It's broken, broken, broken. It's not a high ankle sprain. I know fans sometimes wish for players' injuries to be less severe. I'm not hoping for him to be hurt. I actually have done a lot of positive coverage of Jared. I like him and speak really highly of Jared and the kind of person he is and the kind of season he's having. I think he's going to be a big part of things they do in here in the future. But, yeah, if you – and I understand this might be different. We come from a different background. I'm in journalism. Mm -hmm. So if you say that I'm wrong, it is – basically in essence you are trying to discredit or you know maybe show a different point of view but dr chow is wrong and i like dr chow. i've talked to dr chow a couple of times dr chow's uh like i said someone i've known for a long time and we have a great rapport uh but yes it is not a high ankle sprain so yeah i'm very clear in my reporting and it's the ankle it's if if you go ahead and look at where your fibula is and the part mm. um I don't have the actual x-ray it's down by his ankle so yeah. same thing he is you know gonna need some time to heal up and i hope he has a speedy recovery but yeah just to put a bow on it yeah i mean it's somewhat and maybe this just for future reference if a reporter you know they're you know some kind of gray area and they're wrong if they are wrong and you're right you know to question them that's a little different, but yeah, what I would tell you, Harley is, yeah, I don't have a track record of being wrong. I'm not a hot take artist. I'm none of those things. I'm a straight reporter and I get things right. So yeah, just, um, probably what I would have asked for you is why don't you just, you know, contact me in the future. If you have a question, I would have been happy to answer it the way we're talking now, which is very civil and I'm glad we're having this conversation, but yeah, I, yeah, I didn't, didn't appreciate that, but that's okay. Um, it's nothing, no malice intended. It's just more, 
yeah, I mean, I do this for a living. This is my profession. So yeah, I mean, that's how I take it. Uh, I, I take it seriously because it's a job that requires serious effort, diligence and professionalism. So yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I have the story accurate. Uh, the second opinion gave the full picture of the fibula uh, and anatomically exactly where it is. But, you know, I can go off the best information I have at the time, but nothing have I ever said that it was a high ankle. From the beginning, I've said that he has some kind of fracture and that's what he yeah. has. So it's just kind of a gray area, but there's nothing real confusing about it. I mean, it's not a high ankle. And yeah, Dr. Chow, and yeah, I talked to him about it. He says, I'm glad, uh, glad you're right. But, uh, you know, it's no big deal. Uh, but yeah, we can move on from it. But yeah, that's that's where I'm coming from with that. But yeah, I um, I would just ask you, yeah, if there's something like that in the future, you know, have some confidence in me. I mean, like, you know, I don't do this lightly. You know, I generally I'm saying if something's going to happen, the person's out or they can play or they can't play. I try to give the fans and the readers and the viewers the best possible information because that's my job. That's understandable. I I never, never said that, oh, I'm trying to prove you wrong. If that was taken and stirred that way, then I apologize for that. That was not my intent. I accept, I accept your apology. Um, most, most people, I would just tell you, Harley, were um, sending it to me and were interpreting it like you were um, sort of trying to dunk on me. So, yeah, that's no. that, since I had so many people send it to me, that was why I reached out, but yeah, we didn't know each other and now we do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good conversation about it. Yeah. All I was trying to do is just create some more clarity. The, the thing for me, the only thing that made me question it was the player and the players asking, Oh, I broke my ankle. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, and then D'Amico talks about it. And I know D'Amico, any head coach isn't really going to relay the exact what happening. Like that's very rare that happens. But he says lower leg injury. So I'm like, oh, well, you know what? Let me get Dr. Chow. And, you know, I mean, he, all he saw was a video. I wouldn't, you know, he, all he did was just have a perception around it. And that was it. You know, he doesn't know anything extra around that behind it. He Plus, he didn't want to report on the severity of it. So, um, but that's all I was trying to do. I was just trying to absolutely. create some clarity. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, broken is broken. And yeah, that's, and that's a major okay. distinction. So it's, you know, he's saying high ankle sprain and he's going off the video. Like he said, he doesn't have in, inside information about the yeah. MRIs and x-rays. And I'm not saying I'm always going to know every single thing about every single injury, because, you know, that's not, very realistic either right uh you know other situations i might know like brevin jordan has plantar fasciitis of his foot and he might be able to begin running next week and with the idea that he could possibly play the week after so it's not like season ending his foot injury and they may be get woods back in the next week or two but yeah i just do my best the fact is a lot of people really want to know a lot about the injury report the health and the availability of the players. So that's one of the things that I try to concentrate on, along with contractual matters, workouts, lineup changes, things like that. But uh, yeah, your your Texans are, you know, three and four. This is a critical game for them. They really need to win this home game. Yeah, um, I had a question about uh, offense coordinator Bobby Slowick. Uh, getting a lot of criticism for his uh, play calling performance against the Carolina Panthers. 
Um, how do you think he has done? And also, how do you think he attacks this Tampa Bay Buccaneers front seven that blitzes 40% of the time? I think he's done a good job. You know, this is his first year as the play caller. And you look at, you know, his background. It's with the Kyle Shanahan version of the West Coast offense that he's installed here. Does he have every piece of personnel he needs to make it work like the 49ers? No, he does not. He doesn't have a Christian McCaffrey. He doesn't have a Devo Samuel. He lacks a lot of these things. And he doesn't have a Trent Williams. You know, he's got a Laramie Tunsil. He's got some good players. He doesn't have everything he needs. He's got a rookie quarterback. So I would say he's doing his best to manage those situations and have productivity. They did avoid, with the exception of Andrew Beck fumble, the interceptions. Their Panthers defense is designed to create conflict either at the line of scrimmage or within the secondary on deep throws. So they play a deep shell defense and they are good at taking away things. They're asking you to either run the ball or to throw it underneath. They got very little yak on some of these underneath throws. A lot of guys made people miss. They had a couple of deep shots as Bobby Sloak pointed out. And they did not connect, including one to Nico Collins. You can say, well, throw 10 more of them. Keep throwing it deep. I think that defense was very much designed to take that away from C.J. Stroud. They had to adjust. And sometimes it requires patience. I don't think there's any bad guy here. I would say that, you know, pointing fingers and blame, that's part of it, uh, of the equation. But, you know, you have to be realistic. How explosive is this offense truly? The running game, and CJ, I thought, made a good point on Wednesday. The running game is not good enough right now, and they're not getting enough production. Against that bad run defense, it should have been 150, 160 yards, and it wasn't. And it's emblematic of the fact that the running game struggles most of the time. You know, they made some progress against Saints, they had a little progress against Steelers, but for the most part, the running game has been disappointing. So, We'll see if it's any better without Damien. And I have a feeling it won't be much better without Damien. If anything, it might be the same or similar productivity. So we'll find out. The Buccaneers, to answer your other part of your question, they're going to blitz most of the time. CJ, I think, is a 70.0 passer rating against pressure. So like most quarterbacks, he is affected by pressure. And so they're going to live by the blitz, die by the blitz. And we'll see, can he beat the blitz? That's a big factor in this game. And there will be some opportunities potentially to go deep. But when they do it, they got to make it happen. And a couple of times, as Bobby said, he was right. They went deep and it didn't work. They didn't get it done. On one case, like as he said on Thursday, there was a throw that CJ normally hits in practice and he didn't hit it in the game. So that happens. No quarterback's perfect, but he's been outstanding. I think that CJ is definitely a franchise quarterback and is going to be a great quarterback and even better in years to come. But Rome wasn't built in a day. And, you know, for CJ, he's incredibly advanced, incredibly smart, really, really good teammate and great in the locker room and in the community. And just give him time. But this year is going to try some fans' patience because they are essentially a 500 team. They're going to be games they could easily win and they might lose, and there's going to be games people think they shouldn't be able to win, that they will win. They're an inconsistent team, and they have a rookie head coach, rookie play caller, rookie quarterback, a whole bunch of new. And sometimes when you have that, you have growing pains. And I think that's what you're seeing right now with the Texans. 
You know, what do you think about what do you think about Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, the confidence level? It seems like right after the Panthers game, uh, you know, not immediately, but I think it was the day after, you know, Titus Howard immediately had tweeted about Baker Mayfield, that they're going to box him in. And Laramie Tunsil basically quote tweeted and seconded that. What are your thoughts on the confidence level of the Houston Texans going into this game? Love it. You should be confident or you shouldn't play football. I think that you've got to believe in yourself. Otherwise, why would anybody else believe in you, right? Mm -hmm. um, like whatever, what we're doing, if I don't have confidence in myself, Harley, why should you believe in me? Why should anyone believe in me, right? If yeah. I don't think I can do it. If you don't think you can have a good podcast, then why would anybody believe in you? So for football players, when they express confidence or a belief that something is going to happen, you know, they are opening themselves up to the possible, oh, you know, you said we we're you're going to win. You didn't win. And then you have to take your lump sometimes when you make bold statements. Yeah. That's why most coaches and administrators and PR people would advise players against making bold statements and just saying, you know what, you know, we're going to play our best. We believe in ourselves. We know we're very good. They're very good. That's why most of the time you do praise your opponent. Baker Mayfield's actually having a good season. And I think it's been somewhat resurgent with Dave Canales as his offensive coordinator. So I don't think this is the easy game by any stretch. I think that they can throw it to Mike Evans. They can throw it to Chris Godwin. You know, they can make some things happen. He can break contain. I know they have very athletic defensive ends. That might play into the Texans' favor a little bit. If he tries to run around a little too much, and then Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard and Jerry Hughes are wrapping him up and throwing him on the ground the way they did with Bryce Young, who's more elusive, in my opinion, than Baker. But, you know, that's why you play the games. It's going to be an interesting matchup. I think this is, uh, you know, they're on a three-game losing streak, the Buccaneers. They're coming off of a lot of rest after their bye. I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. It will be no cakewalk. Texans will probably have a close game. We'll see if they can play better in the fourth quarter this time. Aaron Wilson, I want to thank you for joining us. This was a fire episode of believe in the houston texans guys aaron wilson does a fantastic job make sure you are following him on twitter as we say he covers the nfl and texans for kprc local too i am ruben carville that is harley dugan this episode was brought to you by bet online guys jump into the action we will see you maybe sunday night monday guys have a real blessed rest of your friday thanks guys Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.